Hi and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. I'm very glad to have you here. So I just want to say thank you for being here and I hope you're safe and sound wherever you are in the world. Um, before we get started, just wanted to uh, thank you for uh, all the love and support that you always share with us, whether it's a screenshot, whether it's a retweet or reposting our uh our podcast, our YouTube videos, or our live streams. So today we're interviewing Federico Boyanos. Uh, he's a barista coach, uh, very successful, and um, I've just contacted him. So hopefully he will tune in very soon. Um, in the meantime, I'll just uh, share the love for all the people tuning in on the live stream on Instagram. Hey, YRB, Andre, good to see you. Echoes, Tall Americano, good to see you again. You've become a regular on the show. Dulce Vita, uh, Lego, Gon Bruno, Dallas, Risky, Road, Farshad, and uh, Rose Noir. Um, Rose, we're just uh, waiting on Federico Boyanos to tune in, and I will do a live interview stream with him. So I've sent him a reminder and the uh, a direct messages, so hopefully he'll tune in soon. Um, in the meantime, whilst we wait on our guest, um, very happy to take any questions if you have any. So, if you have any questions, please drop them in the comment box, and uh, we'll be able to just uh, get started real soon. And uh, I hope you got coffee for yourself, and uh, yeah. Hey, Vag. Good to see you. Naked coffee. Raul, how are you, Vag? Hope you're well. Uh, all the way into the UK. And uh, YRB, I need to get with you. Um, well, depends what, you, <laughs> depends what you mean. If it is uh, to get coffee together one day when you're in Melbourne, yeah, for sure. Um, but in terms of you guys sending me the request to be in the live stream, uh, just taking the guests for now. Uh, I might have another episode where I do um, live stream and direct video chats with you guys. Uh, I'm good, Vag. Just uh, waiting on Federico. Um, I hope he's, uh, hope he's uh, okay. And I hope that we'll be able to tune in very soon. I'm really keen to get his insights as a famous worldwide uh, barista coach. As you know, Vag, how important he's still a mentor and a coach. So uh, it's, it's, it'll be very interesting. But as you guys know, with these live streams, sometimes you know guests are late and guests are not able to tune in at the exact time. So we'll give him until uh, quarter past nine, another 15 minutes, and then we might have to tune out as it happened in the past um so Tolo Americano, you're from dublin ireland big shout out to all the irish baristas i mean you guys have uh, a whole bunch of amazing people um if you come to melbourne uh the best coffee shops well the best coffee shops uh the answer vary based on whether you also want a food experience over just a drink experience melbourne is a hub of coaches and we are very blessed to have um, such an amazing diversity of people, cuisines, um, but when it comes down to coffee, I think that visiting the roasteries, that's uh, always good. So obviously we got, you know, amazing experiences like Antipegs where it's black coffee only, they serve flights, they serve all their coffee black um so that and attached to where there is proud mary um coffee roaster um forget the food just coffee yeah so basically that could be a spot to go to but there is many places um famous one is probably uh, patricia i would say probably stick with the cbd um, for a full day because there's a lot of amazing Roasteries and small shops. We got Industry Beans, Michael Lane, Chuke's Coffee, Axel, Vacation. Um, 
who else we got patricia like i mentioned little rogue is one of my favorite spots to go to they serve a coffee uh, we got shambles owned by the same guys the list goes on and uh, for forgive me for the shops that i forgot but basically there's a whole bunch and then there's a lot of suburbs um, in melbourne where they have amazing coffee shops as well as roasteries so the so-called hipsters um, coffee center suburbs are probably collingwood fitzroy brunswick um, south melbourne um, but uh, to americano feel free to drop in uh, a message and whenever you are in melbourne i'm very happy to do a coffee tour um, i'll grab you from you know train station and we can we can chill and sip on coffees and uh, I'll take you around town for sure that's easy um, for people tuning in this is a show where we usually interview coffee people guests uh, at this stage we're waiting on Federico Boyanos um, he hasn't tuned in yet he's not online but hopefully he will soon he might have been held up in some ways uh, you know he's a busy guy we understand um vag is mentioned just before uh some people change your life my friend yes some people do uh i think that you and i have this conversation uh, in the past in private so yeah i think the importance to have the right mentors the right people to guide you through uh, different swings of lives um, based on whether it's your professional life where is your career um it's just really really uh, very interesting to have that um have you done any sca course to the americano um no i haven't i haven't it's just a very interesting question i've been a barista for many years i worked for coffee roasters and that's all good um how about you uh, rent fake followers 68k and broadcast only seven I appreciate your comment. Um, I have a very interesting answer. I uh, just want to send you back the love and uh, you're free to think and say whatever you wish. That's fine with me. Um, on the technicality, Instagram lives engagement and Instagram engagement is much lower than what you used to be, but I'm not going to get into that. Feel free to send me a direct message and, uh, Happy to chat about it, not a problem. Very, very cool with that. Also, it's 9 a.m. in Australia. Uh, most people are at work, but I could only do the live stream at 9 a.m. with Federico because he's a, a guest from South America, so Central South America. Uh, therefore, with time zones, now people are at work in Australia. So I don't understand you very much and don't be well. Okay. Um, but yeah, for people tuning in, um, apologies for Federico to be late. Um, it just happens. But having a having a good chat with you guys, I think it's a good time to, for me to learn who you are and get to know you more. Like Tolo Americano, where he organized a coffee tour in Melbourne when he come, he or she comes down to Melbourne. Yep, I started to do the CA courses. They're good. Foundation is basic and easy, but hope to progress to professional okay so are you currently working in the coffee industry to americano or is just a passion of yours and federico just tuned in uh so here he is uh, here we go. hey what's up how are you hey buddy what's good <laughs> Good to. I'm so sorry for the delay, but I had Don't some. Uh, some. Believe me, I was completely ready ten minutes before, but the internet has been very hiccupy, and uh, it took me quite a while to figure out how to restart the whole internet thing. And yeah, so now I'm back. Está todo bien. Now, if anything, how's everything down under? Uh, everything good. Uh, I'm glad that you know the terminology uh, down <laughs> under. Um, uh, now, Federico, thank you for coming in, and uh, it's so so nice to meet you. And 
I'm very happy that you could give us an hour of your time to come in here and just share uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, your story. So first and foremost, how are you over there? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm doing great, thank God. Um, nothing has, I, there's no any bad news to report. And uh, I've been using all this time that we have available during the pandemic to study more about coffee and to research. And uh, I finally had time to set up my website, my personal blog. So yeah, um, I'm enjoying life right now. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> fantastic. And I, uh, yeah, look, I think you took full advantage of it. And uh, yeah, you and I kind of did similar in terms of even even doing live streams and and just really hanging yeah. out with the coffee community. I think you're right. Given health, everything else is just uh, uh, an occasion to grow, like you said. But. Um, Let's get started. Uh, you're easily and safely to say one of the most prolific uh, barista coaches, but how did you start the coffee journey, your coffee journey? Um, actually, I don't know if it's uh, like um, something that ha has, I mean, so oftenly happened to other people uh, because I hear many similar stories, but it is, is actually how it started for me as well. And uh, it was with just one great cup of coffee. Uh, that great, great cup of coffee started everything. And it happened because um, during my time when I was in college, uh, I used to drink coffee, but it was terrible. I mean, like, like really, really nasty things uh, that I found on the supermarket or maybe, you know, uh, coffee shops of the second wave uh, style. And uh, I, it was, I mean, I, I could barely bear it, you know. Uh, so uh, one time, um, I mean, like a long time after that, back in 2003, um, I accepted a coffee uh, from one of my family, uh, which I had been rejecting for many years because I, I was expecting something as bad or worse than what I was having at these coffee shops. And then suddenly, uh, when I accepted this coffee, uh, I, I didn't notice uh, when they served it to me. Uh, I just found it right right next to me. And I when I took the first sip, I mean, it was an epiphany. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like a completely chocolate thing. You know, I mean, I actually thought it was hot chocolate. I mean, like literally. So, so I, re I returned the cup to the lady who served the coffee to me. And I said, uh, thank you, but um, do you have any coffee? Because uh, the, I don't want chocolate. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 no. This is just water and, and, and roasted coffee. So um, that's how everything started for me. That opened my eyes and, you know, drew a lot of interest for me in that beverage. Because I couldn't believe it could taste different to what I thought, you know, burnt, nasty coffee was. So <laughs> that's, what every, that's where everything just, you know, kicked off from there. That, yeah, I think... I think it's kind of the common story. It's actually, you know, what, you know, almost what you say, like coffee find us rather than us finding coffee or looking yeah. for coffee, uh, where is career or passion or just a single beverage. Uh, and then, I mean, when, you know, within your career, when did you decide to kind of go full force into the coaching route? Well, uh, that is a great question. Uh, actually, uh, I mean, I didn't actually plan to be a, a coach. Um, my initial plan was because, I mean, if that first cup of coffee got my attention, what really got hooked me into the coffee industry was when I found out about baristas. I mean, I didn't even know baristas existed. I just knew people pushing buttons, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, when I discovered baristas and I heard of the coffee competitions, uh, that was back in 2006, I mean, the first time I walked in into a, um, a coffee competition, it was in the U.S. Nationals in 2006. I remember walking into that arena full of people in the stands and the baristas, you know, uh, killing themselves uh, in the floor and on the stage floor. I just, I just knew it. It was like that moment when you say, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I love this. And maybe it is because I'm a very competitive person. So uh, I knew that was a competitive thing and I was already into coffee. So I said, yes, this is for me. Uh, so I wanted to be a champion barista myself. So uh, that got me into coaching because uh, I competed in the first Salvadoran coffee competition that was organized. Um, 
But from my uh, coffee shop, it wasn't only me competing. It was other two baristas. So because I had a little bit more experience, uh, I had to train them and train myself for that first competition. Uh, and funny enough, they both beat me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so I, I ended up in the finals, but uh, in the fourth place. And the other two won first and second place. Uh, the other two people I coached. Uh, more importantly than the ranking is that what I found out about my about myself is that uh, I'm not very much and having you know so much attention uh, and I get um, I'm a little bit shy in front of people, so I found that uh, maybe being on stage isn't for me, but being backstage is. Uh, so I you know I channeled all, all my energy and all my passion to coffee in helping people become great baristas. Well, I think that that last sentence just defines the why and the reason of you doing what you do. And I, and I think it's quite nice. I think uh, receiving pleasure from seeing others or helping others yeah. winning, it just means that you connect well with people and that your interest is more, uh, I would say, selfless. Um, and you just gain that satisfaction of seeing yeah. you know the people because it's a journey and look it's not I'm, I'm sure it's not just the world barista champions you train i'm sure it's also the you know what people would consider the smaller guys but reality you can have a bigger impact when you probably when you locally coach and train people and you give them a chance to learn a profession that might get them a job that might get them a livelihood to sustain themselves. I think those are even bigger victories. Absolutely. And it, it's a much more fulfilling journey and uh, rewarding for many, many reasons. Like I remember the first time uh, uh, one of my braces won the World Bracelet Championship, uh, Alejandro, in 2011. I remember, I mean, out of all the joy that you get and, uh, you know, just everything great feeling that you get from winning a World Bracelet Championship, what really grabbed me the most at that time was the feeling that I had really um, helped someone, you know, progress in life and that done something really good for, 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 for them or for, for him. And that I knew from that point on and his life would have, will, will, I mean, was going to be completely different. And even his kids, the day he had him, will have a much better life than he had. Uh, so yeah, I was really proud of that more, more than the, you know, the actual achievement, which is, which is kind of weird because I had been, this was, has been my dream for a very long time to achieve, but it wasn't when I actually did it, it wasn't about that. It was about, yeah, changing someone's life for the better. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, and I think changing someone's life for the better, you said it very casually, uh, but it's quite, it's quite profound and powerful and deep. You know, it's like the fact that you're able through coffee and through your skills um, <laughs> and coaching is not easy, you know, coaching where it's basketball, football, soccer uh, or training a barista for a competition or teaching someone a job. It's not easy. Absolutely. It, it isn't. It actually, I think it's kind of a, a little bit harder because uh, as I said, I mean, I, I, I also competed myself at some point. And, uh, and I can say from that, from that point of view that it's a lot harder to be a coach because there's some things which are not in your control. And having a, I mean, when you're in control, it's okay if you, if you screwed up or it's only your fault. But if you're a coach uh, and someone, you know, doesn't do things right, you, you, you feel bad about yourself because you, you should have, yeah, you should have guided him better not so he didn't make that mistake. Also, you know, the, the, the classic question, who coaches the coach, you know, because obviously, you know, the, the, the person you coach has a coach, you know, so you got to also coach yourself, which is, I think, you know, the art of coaching ourselves is probably very, you know, even more difficult to a degree. It's easier to tell someone what to do rather than telling ourselves what and how to do things better. Uh, my good friend Vag just sent through a question asking whether or not, uh, uh, from your experience, does winning the Barista Championship change your life? Uh, yes, Vag, absolutely.
Absolutely. Uh, it changed my life uh, and the perspective uh, also. Not only my life. Um, I think that um, from that point on, um, I think I started um, taking a lot better approach to, you know, to helping a much wider uh, uh array of people before I was just coaching people from within my coffee shop and after winning the world race the championship it allowed me to have a little bit more spotlight on what I was doing before that happened and that allowed me to help other people from all over the world uh, who wanted to figure out how to how to do well in competitions so yeah from that point on I mean from from winning that that's the first thing that I have gotten is a lot of opportunities to work with people around the world and touching base on that, on a, on a logistic level, uh, how does that look and how does that work in terms of training people from overseas like June or, you know, do you travel to them or vice versa or both? Uh, most of the training is done at the trainees' uh, campuses or locations. Uh, I, I promote this because this is where after I leave, I cannot live with them. So I normally uh, program several uh, visits during the year uh, before, you know, the competition. And that depends on the amount of time they want to devote to training. So I usually uh, divide uh, a whole training program in like in blocks of time. And each block of time, I do it at the lab where they're going to train and then return home and leave them with a lot of homework to practice uh, on what we have already, you know, work, worked on. Uh, and also, also part of that is a not only in, in their lab, but also maybe at the origin of the coffee that we have chosen. So it's mostly in those two locations that I, that I have to travel around. Yeah, and, and I think going back on changing, you know, lives, what you just shared with us, uh, thank you for the answer. I also think that competition and not the arrival point, I think is the, it, I think it's the starting point. I think it's, the, you know, the departure, you know, it's like, yeah. A lot of people picture that trophy as the destination, but it's actually the starting point for something. And, and you know, I think that's another concept that we could unpack later on. But um, in terms of uh, coaching, I see, you know, a lot of similarities with mentorship, right? I think, especially in this day and age, uh, we've seen even in sports, um, the figure of coach, uh, quite changing radically, you know. I think a lot of football players they know how to play football. Um, you know, how much do you train more the mind over the skills? I'm sure there's a balance, but is that mind element one of the most important? I think absolutely. I mean, this is a first of all, this is a knowledge competition, uh, and the more you know, you understand the coffee, the better results you're going to get in the cup. So uh, one thing is you need to work, uh, the barista need to work on their knowledge and the other parties uh, to excel in that, those 15 minutes performance and hopefully it turns out into 45 minutes of performance. You need to have a mental uh, toughness and you have to be really, really well in your mind to perform at the highest level. So yes, absolutely. It, is, it plays a huge, huge role. And me as a coach, um, I think that um, my, my best contribution to uh, all, the, all the baristas that I work with is I help to bring the best out of them. Uh, maybe they have all this talent in them, but some maybe they don't know how to unlock it from themselves by themselves. Uh, and they need someone to really, you know, get them out, get it out of them. And, and yeah, uh, so I kind of have become a little bit of a... Um, like a, I'm gonna say like a shrink, <laughs> to really you know go deep into their minds and tell them and to believe in themselves and then how to how to that belief portrayed on stage. Absolutely, I think that's probably the most valuable part of it. Not to discredit the rest of the work that you do in terms of skills and strategies and routines, but I think I think at that level, I would safe to say that most of the finalists are. More more or less at the same path, you know, you know, in terms of skills, the gap is not that wide, uh, but it all comes down to that creativity. But, you know, even if your routine is super creative, uh, if you are shy, scared, over nervous, and you can't 
remain cool, then a lot of things, you know, mistakes can happen uh, yeah. that, that you wouldn't do on your regular job. So I get it. So winning is fantastic, but it also increases the level of pressure, right? And it can also make people change. Um, how crucial is to remain humble? Because a lot of competitors win their nationals, um, they go to the worlds, and then they repeat, right? They, you know, next year, same again. Uh, but winning creates a little bit of a uh, aura. Oh, I won this many times. I got to the finals this many times. How, how important it is to remain humble and actually think, well, I still need to improve and learn, even after winning the world championship, let's say. I think it's completely crucial, and I think it's the mark and the sign of a real champion is when they understand that w w what they have achieved, any other of the other, I don't know, uh, 15 baristas that reached the semifinals could at some point have uh, achieved that as well. Uh, and coffee is a growing community, and uh, it is just happened that you really you did a really, really good effort w one year, and everything just lined up for that perfect moment, which was almost destined to be yours. But you, that doesn't mean that you are on top of anybody else. Uh, actually, what it means is that a lot of people have helped you along the way. So humble, humbleness for me is one of the key things for a barista champion. And one of the things that I admire the most uh, on most of the uh, barista champions that I know. Uh, are, there are very few, uh, which I, Maybe I haven't met them, but uh, I only know people who are, who are very humble, very approachable, and very down to earth and understand that they, from that point on, they have a huge responsibility to represent all the baristas in the world and they have to keep studying maybe even harder So because they're going to have the pressure of answering a lot of questions and people are going to expect that you know the, the, the answer to all the coffee <laughs> um, you know, uh, challenges. Uh, and it, it isn't. So you have to be really humble to say when you don't know and to understand that you, you're just uh, a person that did, did well one year. Yeah, and I think being humble is such a representation of our community and our job because we are in the people business more than most industries. It's all yeah. about the people. Um, I think that's just such a key element regardless where it is. Uh, business or whether it is uh, coffee or being a barista. What I've noticed, um, and I like to pick your brain on this, is that, you know, the mental and physical preparation uh, for the battle, uh, it's like boxing, it's like Rocky, uh, <laughs> uh, it's quite draining. It really takes a lot out of people. Uh, a lot of hours, a lot of time, a lot of caffeine, so probably not that great for the body when you start drinking 20, 30, 50 cups a day. Um, and what I've noticed is it's very hard to see barista champions to kind of go back in the competition. You know, they, they move on. They, they go on to roasting, into the coffee shops, into training, into whatever they, they got to do. Do you think it's because it's too draining and they don't want to go through the same pain? Because I'm surprised. It's like Roger Federer kept competing after winning, right? <laughs> but obviously, is there any money from the competition? Uh, would you like? Like to see more of the same people keep competing. I understand that they leave space for the next barista generations, but would you like, as a passion person about competitions, and uh, to see more of a you know sports like uh, well returners? I think that uh, there is Aga Rojeska, who just, uh, I mean, she is the exception of what you said. <laughs> uh, she has kept competing in different fields and doing really well. So she's the, like the antithesis of that. But most of the people don't. Uh, and I think uh, it is not, I, I don't think it is because they want to leave space for other people to do. It is more because uh, when you do really well, uh, most of the time it's because you have you had a great reason and something to talk about and something that you wanted to bring to the world and you wanted to share with the world and um it is it takes uh, such a great effort like you said to bring that in the best possible way that once you 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 achieve it you want to capitalize on all that effort and everything that you have invested in that uh and move on like you said but um 
I'm pretty sure that if someone, uh, some, I'm pretty sure that if a competitor who has won the World Race to Championship or any other uh, championship at some point after being a champion, they come up with something that they feel it is, it, it's worth bringing again to the, to the world stage, I'm sure they would. Uh, because most of that, most of the people that I talk to, they they at least the ones that have won it, they have not done it out of um, sheer uh, I want to be the best. It, it is because they are really passionate about what they do and the, and the ideas that they bring forward to the competition. That's fantastic. Um, and before I go back on my questions, by asking, what are your criteria for choosing the competitor that you will work with? That's a good question. Very good question. Um, well, for me, um, I think I am a very like um, humanistic. So for me, it's um, all about heart, all about heart. Uh, when I have a great chemistry with that person, because I feel their values are great and uh, they are really humble and they want to do the competition not like I not because they want to be. Uh, acknowledge as the as the best of of something, but more because they really have much higher, better reasons to compete. Like uh, maybe they want to um, demonstrate themselves that they are doing things already uh, world class, and they just want to measure up to see if they is if there, if there is a higher level they have to aim for, or maybe they just want to help someone, their company, or I don't know. Um, there's so many reasons. So I think uh, humbleness and yeah and heart and values are for me are the best things reasons to help. Because also yeah, on on a practical level, you have to uh, you have to live in a way with these people hours or days, spend a night yeah. in a hotel. Uh, you have yeah. to be able to have a connection because otherwise it becomes too transactional. Of course, there is a fee, like most things in life, but if you're only focused on the on being transactional without that human connection, then A, your job is not going to be nowhere near enjoyable, and B, exactly. the results are probably not going to be anywhere near as good. Um, Bianca, by the way, just asked to train her. Uh, she's a super young, talented barista. Um, hey, she literally just started roasting at the, at the age of 15, 16. She started roasting, pouring, is brewing. She from so. Indonesia? Oh, yes. I know. Um, and, you know, I think her, her, her sentence just drives well into the next question. Uh, we often see, you know, like young viewers and young baristas who aim to compete. Um, what would you be your very first advice that you give someone who's getting started? Well, uh, in competition, you mean, or as a barista? I'd say in competition and as a barista, because I think they're both connected, probably the answers. Okay, for me, um, competition uh, should be a, like obviously a second step. Uh, my my um, my best the best advice that I can think of sharing is that uh, you should be a very very open and be like a sponge to absorb all the information and learn as much as you can as a barista. Uh, to develop your craft, to improve your craft, and to understand coffee better, and also with a sponge with a filter, because uh, that filter, yeah, there's so many information uh, rolling around which has no scientific foundation at all. They just maybe some barista that uh, maybe some people respect or more than others, but th just repeating what he has said or done not necessarily means that that it. That is the physics, the real physics and chemistry uh, that supports what he's doing. So um, that filter should be uh, to learn, I mean, to, to read, learn what, what, what they can, but at the same time, test it. And as much as you can to see and come up with your own ideas and your own, uh, you know, like proof of everything. Um, uh, in the next step of this would be you know, once you have uh, learned a little bit more about your craft and you have developed your skills, the next step it, it is to compete. And, and in, in competition, my best advice is uh, to think of competition as the best learning platform there is. And this is a huge learning platform, not only uh, about making better coffee, it is a huge learning platform of getting to know yourself. Uh, it helps you so much to improve. Uh, it, may, it teaches you discipline. 
and, and so many things. If you're open to accept it, I think yeah. Lam Butler was on the show and we were chatting about this and he said they took him a couple of rounds to understand that the judge's feedback was coming from a good place for him to improve. But it's, it's hard sometimes when you spend months onto a lab or training facility and then you receive certain feedback. And I think being open and accepting, self-aware yes. and going back on being humble to accepting and receiving feedback rather than taking it on, well, no, F you and you and you, that was an amazing cup of coffee. Um, yeah. And that's where learning about yourself as well as learning uh, the feedback that's given to you. Uh, we're approaching the halftime, uh, Mark, unfortunately, but I got the out-of-the-box out question. Um, who would you like to have dinner with, if you could, uh, Federico? Ooh, um, in the coffee industry? Anyone. Any industries. Anything. Anyone. Well, uh, <laughs> if I could choose anyone, I would choose God. <laughs> I would love to have a good dinner with I him. I respect man. that. I uh, respect that. I'll I take would it. love to talk to him and, you know, and just, yeah, uh, be blessed by that. Uh, but within the coffee industry, I can absolutely tell you I'm, I'm a friend of him, but I would still love to have every opportunity to have lunch, dinner, uh, breakfast, brunch, whatever, just talking with James Hoffman. I mean, I mean, he has been such a beacon for the coffee industry and just putting not only information out, but also information that you can trust. He really puts it to the test and puts scientific research behind it. So, yeah, I respect him hugely. He has been a huge, profound influence in my life, in coffee life. That's, yeah, I met him only once. And uh, I got to say, he's, uh, <laughs> his aura, it's quite, I mean, I don't know him in person, but from, what, from the little that I got to share with him, it was quite uh, a humbling experience because it's quite the same as his videos. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it's quite true to himself as far as his digital content and the real person. But again, it's just an assumption. But uh, now, um, thank you for that. Uh, uh, based on your experience, uh, what percentage of importance would you give to the following? Coffee, choosing the right coffee for the competition. Skill set, mental strength, and creativity for routine. Hmm. Okay, um, this is a great question, and it's something that will reveal um, or open the eyes for many people. Um, the other day, I was doing a talk, and um, I was asked how much of a per in percentage would you give coffee for barista competitions, uh, the quality of the coffee in the mix of everything, and uh, my answer was uh, shocking to most people. Um, my answer was 50%. Uh, most people thought it was maybe 75, 80-ish uh, percent, and the rest was just details, you know. But the fact is, at least from my experience uh, and from what I have understood in that the way that competition has been built, is that com uh, coffee would be like the most important thing? Yes, 50%, but not, I wouldn't say more than 50%. The other components are, like you said, um, the creativity that you do, the knowledge and the concept uh, behind to, to put that coffee into the pedestal that it needs and what you're doing has backup. And yeah, uh, so I think that are the main things uh, there. But coffee is 50%, I would say. I, I In brewers, I would say coffee is maybe 90, I don't know. Uh, but, but embrace the competition, which have been my most experience, I would say maybe half of it is coffee. That's very interesting, and I think I think you're absolutely right when it comes down to uh, assumptions. I think there's a lot of assumptions around it, and um, I had the, the the blessing of being able to talk to many people in the past two months, and uh, I, you know, I think your your answer doesn't shock me because uh, in in a weird way it would actually be twenty five percent each in the sense of. <laughs> You know, without one or the other, you're not going to win. You might do amazing. Maybe good coffee will take you the furthest. Okay, maybe, maybe. Okay, in terms of, but in terms of winning, I think if you miss one or two of the other components, then it almost doesn't matter what coffee you serve. If if you crumble, if all of a sudden your English drops because you are start panicking and your presentation is not engaging, it's not entertaining, and those 15 minutes become a drainer for the judge, 
and yeah. all of a sudden, it's almost like like in in a, in a more real context every day. It's like when you go to a cafe, especially here in Melbourne. You know, we've got so much variety. We we're talking about earlier before you tuned in. Yeah. If you serve me the coffee with a big smile and, uh, and uh, good service and the uh, you know palate cleanser uh, in a clean, nice cup, uh, that's going to be a good experience. You know, and you know, a good conversation and having maybe with a good friend that I've seen in a while. But if you're serving me coffee of higher quality, but you you know. When you drop the saucer and the cup loudly because you can't be bothered for me to be there, am I gonna enjoy that coffee? Eh, sure, maybe it's higher quality, but then the overall experience gets a turmoil by all those details. So I think you're right. I think yeah, absolutely. And you just gave me a great idea. I think it would be a great blog post to do something similar to what Simon. Um, there is this barista called Simon, uh, he's from France, I think, uh, who did a pie chart. Yeah, he's at Toby's Estate now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah from Toby's Estate, yeah. Uh, he did a pie chart of what he thinks are the most important variables in percentage when you're making coffee. Uh, it would be really great to do out of that question that you have made me, a pie chart of all the elements in coffee. That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. So, I'd love to see that. Have some time and <laughs> work on it. <laughs> I love to see that. Um, Federico, this is a question that I ask uh, everyone because um, I think it's super relevant um, and it's one of my biggest passions. What would you say to those people who are stuck in what's considered a, a good job by default, by society, by family members who actually want to pursue their true passion, which it may happen to be coffee? So, you know, what would you say to people who want to chase that coffee dream? And it could be just, you know, being a barista. You know, being a barista is already a profession. Um, or being a roaster or a champion or training or a coach. But they are a lawyer. They are a dentist. So they're starting to become one of them. I think I'm interested in your answer because each country is a different culture, a different conditioning. And I'd like to hear more from you. Um. Uh, this is the first time that I have thought about this. Um, so I think from my, from my understanding of how life should be, uh, I think the most important thing is, uh, maybe this is a cliche, but for me, the most important thing is to do what you, what you enjoy doing. And when you choose to do what you enjoy, uh, then, um, I mean, life gets a whole new dimension and you enjoy life as well. Uh, you, if you, choose to a path of because of something is more lucrative or maybe more convenient uh, because it will give you other kind of benefits, uh, economical, economical benefits, you might end up with a life that is kind of empty and not enjoying and waking, you know, having a hard time waking up and doing. And most importantly, even if you wake up and do what you are, you, when you do, you're not going to be, you're going to, you're not going to perform at your best when you do something that you, you know, you don't love. So I am absolutely 100% uh, pro doing coffee for those reasons. Uh, I think that uh, uh, it's maybe not the, all the reasons for everybody, but for me it has been really fulfilling. And I have been blessed that I have been able to make a living out of this incredible beverage that, uh, I mean, out of all honesty, there, ha there is so many other <laughs> ways of making a great life well, much, much better economic uh, life in, in other industries. But this is the one that I love. So for me, I mean, I would recommend this and I don't regret any step along the way. So, yeah. I don't even think it's a cliche. I think that should be more and more uh, the answer. Uh, you know, I think a good representation in coffee without, you know, throwing names out, I think probably could be Colin Harmon. You know, I think... If you read his book, and if you, I had the luck to chat with him a few times uh, here in Melbourne, you know, he realized very quickly that that financial life wasn't for him, and all of a sudden he's finding himself really into coffee. Uh, I think that story is one of the many out there, uh, and also there's a flip side. I think that you shouldn't choose coffee based on the lucrative side of it. And then we see it more and more here in Melbourne where people choose to open a cafe, uh, choose to start a roastery because they think it's going to be a great uh, financial outcome. 
obviously, we can't be fully cliche in terms of, you know, there is a need for a coin uh, to be able to survive, to be able to get your essentials, to support your family, yourself. Uh, I just think that what you said resonated really well with my principles and my values, and it's about really that uh, finding what you love so that you can sleep at night. Absolutely. That's why I respect surfers so much because the people that, uh, that are surfing, they do it and they make a living out of that and they, they are they're having a time of their life. Maybe they don't have the most lucrative or more fancy uh, life, but uh, they, they enjoy life. Uh, so that's the, they are happy. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Um, and, you know, one of your most recent, uh, what would they call it, tra trainee, prodigy, um, uh, was uh, was June, uh, and obviously we all know how well she did, and you did, you guys as a team, of course, uh, and and that really we're we're all seeing a positive raise rise of women in coffee. You know how important it is to have more and more female representation within the competition and the coffee industry that's been for ages too much of a male dominant. You know we've seen June is one of them. We got Emmy, Andrea, Aga, like you mentioned and many more females, and still I think we need to take advantage of these platforms to share more and more empathy and uh, motivation and inspiration for more women to get onto it, because as they did it, other female, young or older, they can. Yeah, I think it's huge, and I think, I mean, um, I really got into trying to find someone to, a uh, woman to help do this because and for me it was unconceivable how for so many years almost 20 years if i remember or 19 years uh this had not been achieved by by other women even though they had been close be real close as many second places but uh it was weird and, uh, and it doesn't reflect the industry you see the coffee industry and the coffee industry there are as many women baristas as, as men so uh, for me, it is, um, uh, ref it's refreshing to see this. And um, based on my experience as a coach, I can tell you that, um, I mean, coaching women, it is incredible because they have an ability that um, mo most men, we cannot. Like we have a lot of trouble doing multitasking. I don't know if it's the way we are, wired in our brain or what but for women they are they can do a lot of stuff at the same time and and they'll do it well uh so um now that i see that they are doing really well it wouldn't surprise me to keep that um that same uh tr trend for a long time um but it, it, it for me it's it isn't a matter of, of gender um of, you know of gender it is a matter of um it was about time and women have so much to offer and now they have noticed that this is a game that they can dominate for sure when they when they put their minds to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely backing that, and I really hope to see more and more coming. I think it's really important in terms of to grow. You know, I think to grow, to any in order for any industries or businesses to grow, innovation and uh, participation. Uh, you know changing old mentality and mindset is crucial. Uh, where is coffee and women? Where is I mean, people of color? Where is uh, yeah. people, English is on their first language? Uh, it's super relevant. And that's the only way that we can grow as, as an industry, as people, and eventually a society. Because really, our true mission is to change, like you say, lives, but also to change the world for better, uh, you know, from farm, origin to yeah. baristas who live in unfortunate parts of the world to all the way to the $10,000 coffee. Yeah. I think that's the, the real mission. But what's your mission uh, with coffee, Federico? Um, oh, you really got me thinking here. <laughs> I love this interview. <laughs> These are really deep <laughs> questions that I don't want to answer lightly. What is my mission in coffee? I think... Um, my mission is uh, to try to produce, I mean, try to extract um, smiles instead of tastes in coffee. Uh, I think when you, when you extract a smile, uh, you know that coffee has been well 
taste well. It, it, it is not about, you know, this is cherry, this is flowers, this is, yeah, all those kind of things is really great. But in the end, you want that coffee to, to be pleasure, you know, and pleasure brings smiles. So that's my mission. That's as many smiles as I can produce. I'm happy with that. And what I love about your answer is, A, you use the word extract smiles, as in extract, which I think is very relevant. Um, and Bianca just says spreading happiness through coffee, which is a pretty much your answer. I, I, that's beautiful. There is no need to, uh, I, I, can't, I can't top that. I think the overall experience um, with coffee needs to be more and more reminded uh, across all layers of the industry. I think for many years we've been putting so much focus and attention onto the latte art pattern, which is still very important um, <clears throat> in the cup, the eyes in the cup. And we kind of lost that hospitality, warm yes. uh, connections with humans and people. And I, you know, I'd rather baristas to start serving maybe lower quality cup of coffee, but better overall experiences to extract those smiles and yes. making people thinking, hey, you know what? I want another cup. And not because I feel like it, uh, but without even thinking about it, it's like, you know what? I have another one. Yeah, exactly. You have said it so well. And I think that is, uh, for me, that is the next wave of coffee. That is, we're already living it, being part of it. But that's what this, that's what coffee should be about. Um, I think we have done a great, great uh, job at improving everything that can be improved. Not, I'm not saying it, we cannot improve it further. We can, of, of course. But we have done a great job at making, I mean, improving the way we brew coffee, roast coffee, uh, and everything goes into that cup. But there's so much more we can do in terms of the service and the overall experience for the customer, which is as important as the coffee itself. Yeah, I, I hope. Well, no, I hope. I know that people will re-listen to this as a podcast and re-watch this on IGTV or YouTube and they will find very much valuable uh, value out of the valuable things that you and I just shared. Um, and, you know, it's, it is 9 a.m. So for us, this is odd time because people are worried. But a question that just popped in my head, which I haven't asked um, on the show, I think you're the most qualified person to talk to. What's your take around strengths and weaknesses. So do you double down on your strengths? Do you just, you know, go all in onto your strengths or do you develop more your weaknesses? Because the dangers of focusing a lot on your weaknesses mentally often is the dwelling and the feeling sad and the comparing and getting caught in that weird spot where, oh, my latte art really sucks, you know, versus, you know, you really got an amazing presence on stage. Let's put a lot of attention on that strength. Strengths, weaknesses, where, wh how do you coach? Um, wow, uh, never <laughs> asked myself this question before again. <laughs> so mm, let me see. I think um, most probably I work on the strengths of the, of, of the person that I'm working with. Because it is uh, a lot more, I mean, most oftenly, those strengths have, maybe they have them, but most of the time they don't know how to bring them out or, uh, or maybe they don't even know they have them. Uh, because it's hard to be an, a mirror of your own self sometimes. So I, most of the time I work on that. Uh, but it would be a lie to say that I also don't work on weaknesses. Um, maybe an 80, 20% would be a great, uh, good thing to say the way that I work. And this is like you said, I mean, if you, we're not good at everything, right. And you, you have some things which your brisa does well and the others don't, but, um, the things that are key and crucial in a presentation, which maybe could be a weakness of that barista, then I pay attention to those and try to lift the quality, uh, or, or turn that weakness into an asset. Uh, but if it's not so important uh, for the score sheets, I focus on the, on the strengths of that barista. What I, what I can add here, it's really interesting, is uh, you mentioned different cultures uh, a moment ago. And uh, I think 
because I have coached people from all over the world, it, is, it has been really interesting to see the blend of what you can do with one culture and another. Um, before I was just coaching, I mean, early on, just people from my country. But then I started traveling to Russia and to Europe and to South America and to um, Asia and Australia. Uh, and every time uh, I started noticing that some cultures have some strengths and uh, which others don't. And when you blend it to, oh my God, you can do so many things. And you, I think you could see this in Yu Young. Uh, when you see her uh, on stage, she doesn't look like the typical shy Asian South Korean. She looks really, really, um, you know, like, um, I don't know, smooth. And then really, really like, yeah. Strong presence, yeah. Yes, like a strong presence and very uh, touchy and very approachable. And she's not shy in any way. And is, this is the kind of things that, uh, that I was able to bring from my Latin American culture, where we are very people which like to touch, we like to hug, we like to kiss. Uh, and, um, and this is things that she learned uh, and the value of that. And as well, put the great things about, their, about her culture into, into that, like the discipline and the, and the respect and so forth. Yeah, that's... Yeah, super relevant, important, and uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, unfortunately, we are approaching the hour mark, which is, uh, you oh, know, the quick. Instagram. That was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and you know how it is. It's Instagram, it's pretty brutal. Um, and just touching base before I ask you the last question, and I'll let you go because it's probably late there. Um, just based on that, the reason why I asked that question is because you did it, you know, I think you put, you knew your strengths were coaching people, connecting, and you apply that onto your career. And I think it's important that once people have a, a, a big amount of self-awareness, this is my message, once you're self-aware of your strengths, then you go all in into what the strengths are. There's no point if I'm a very extroverted person who loves people and be out there on the street to be locked into a roaster, roasting all day and hating life, yeah. even though it's the same. But I can still own a roastery and be, I don't know, uh, extroverted like uh, people like Chris Baca or Jared Truby or other cats, but be out there skating, doing what you love, etc. Yeah. So I think it's super relevant. Federico, uh, Big blessing, big thank you for being here. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you, and I'll develop that matter in a direct message because time <laughs> is ticking. Um, my last question is before we we'll let you go, what's next on, on your planet? Okay, um, great. How much time do we have? I want to add something here about two minutes and a half. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, real quick, real quick, before I forget. Uh, Please. I have I have heard you many times uh, say that for you the number that you like is ninety nine because that means that there's a one percent to improve and that's that's a huge huge idea that I re I respect very much uh, but that got me thinking that you know what number I like one percent I was and gonna I, say that <laughs> <laughs> because it, and I I, I always t tell this to the people I train with is if you train like that one percent then you're going to make, then that will make you not end up like the other nine, 99%. So give your best effort for that. I, I, I love that. I think that's super relevant. And I think also 1% is a good representation because you never have to, that's a reminder of where you come from and where you started as well. You start from zero to one. That's your very first step. And that first step is that's what gets you where you are today. 100%. I like that. Um, right. What's next on your planet? Uh, you got about 30 seconds. <laughs> All right. What's next for me is I hope we do this again. There is no much more time. So thank you so much, everyone who's been watching. And uh, watch out for what's next. I have a lot to uh -huh. Uh -huh. What's next? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, I hope to see you, Melbourne. Uh, for the world, if that still yeah. will happen, uh, it's still uncertain. I hope so. I uh, wish you a good night for you, and uh, well, good we'll day talk for you. soon. And uh, let's do this again in a couple of months for sure, man. It's, Take been, care, it's buddy. been a blast. Thanks, brother. Ta ta
Ciao, ciao. Take it easy. Ciao, ciao. Uh, thank you guys again. Uh, we haven't left much. I've uh, got 29 seconds. So I just want to say thanks to each and one of you, um, especially uh, Federico to giving us his time, his knowledge, his patience. A big shout out to Vag, Juli, Andre, Bianca, uh, and anyone who's resharing this, retweeting this, resharing it. Um, I will see you tomorrow and the next three days for more. So stay safe and I'm sending you all much love.